Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. You are listening to Let's Talk Tribe, the official Let's Go Tribe podcast. Swing it and wide the deep left field. It is gone! This is Let's Talk Tribe, the official Let's Go Tribe podcast, episode 170. I'm your host, Matt Lyons, and in this week's episode, we'll talk about Daniel Johnson and Oscar Mercado being optioned. He will not be in the running for Cleveland's opening day center fielder. We'll talk about what that means for them, what that means for Cleveland's center field situation, and who could potentially uh, be taking that spot going forward. We'll talk about Trevor Steffen, who did get confirmed to the opening day roster. Rule 5 draft for Cleveland. We'll talk about just the fact that he's going to be making it and the uh, there's some interesting facts about Cleveland Rule 5 players. There are not many of them that they've selected, so we'll talk about those. And, of course, we're going to start season preview of the AL Central. We're going to do two teams a week, get it done in the next couple of weeks. We'll do the Twins and Tigers this week, talk about one of the best teams in the division, one of the not best teams in the division in the Tigers. And we had a poll asking which AL Central player is going to hit the most home runs between a couple of choices. Talk about that and what people responded with. And joining me for all that and more is none other than Mr. Merritt Rolfing. Merritt, how are you doing? You know what I've been to in a while is Hot Topic. I haven't been to a mall in 10 years, but, you know, you'd think there'd be standalone Hot Topic somewhere, right? What the, are they even still around? Shirt? I think That's so. Right. I assume so. They can't be as edgy as they used to be, right? Nobody would take that seriously anymore. I don't think teenagers are like that still. I don't know. What are what are even teenagers anymore? Are <laughs> Listen, they I'm with who, the youth, Merritt. Are they, are they still between the ages of 13 and 19, or are they something entirely different these days? Who's to say? Not me, not you. We're old people now, Matt. We are old. We're basically halfway in the grave, Merritt. I live in a grave, so, you know, that's that's where I do these podcasts every week. Inside oh, your sound's so good. It's so insulated in there. It's really good. It's more of a mausoleum, I guess. It's nice. I upgraded recently. I had to kick the previous tenants out. Their family was not too happy, but they weren't using it very much. Some places call that grave robbing. I just call it moving into a new house. I wasn't. The same thing. Didn't steal a thing. If anything, I removed them. So <laughs> I just—it's more of a yeah, more of a squat situation, honestly. Good, good Wi-Fi though. Uh, very similar to grave robbing merit is Daniel Johnson, Oscar Mercado. Mm-hmm. I don't know how that links. I'm just going to pretend it does. Um, but those two we were robbed. <laughs> there you go. Have been optioned. Both of them. Daniel Johnson on Friday. Oscar Mercado on Sunday. Um, Johnson, when he was. Uh, optioned terry francona said he was very disappointed and we knew that was going to be the case i think it's very clear that johnson was definitely disappointed i I have a feeling terry francona may have been underselling it after it was announced daniel johnson after people were reacting on twitter johnson went on twitter and kind of liked a couple that you could either look at them as being positive of daniel johnson himself or being negative of cleveland for demoting him as they did and giving chances to ahmed rosario and whoever else in center field but uh, he also unliked them later on. So even if it was an innocent thing, I think eventually he realized it looks kind of weird to like these people. One of them was saying it's hard to root for this team anymore, and um, which is, I get it, but it was probably not something he wanted to to put forward there. But 
Daniel Johnson's kind of weird thing doesn't feel like service time manipulation just because I, I don't think he's somebody they'll want to hang on to forever. I think it's just kind of, it might just be the, the time that they just don't believe in him anymore. Um, Oscar Mercado may be kind of the same thing. Also, they've had more time to look at Mercado. Um, they've been waiting desperately for him to just take over the center field role this year, and it hasn't happened whatsoever. Terry Francona even said it in a game a couple, uh, I think it was last week, pretty much right before they demoted um, Mercado, that they're they're desperate for somebody to take over. It's the reason they're trying Ahmed Rosario out there. It's the reason that Bradley Zimmer is still there, Ben Gamble is still there. Um, I give him credit for not keeping Billy Hamilton and trying that disaster in center field to be like the line of the Shields 2.0. But as you wrote last week, um, this team has not found center fielders for a long time. And unless you really believe in Bradley Zimmer or Ben Gamble, it does not look like they found it this year either, which kind of sucks because I've liked Mercado for a while. I think we both like, I think we both like both of these guys, but it does not look like either of them are going to be right away the center fielder for Cleveland. You know, one of us posted a, uh... Just a list of guys you've started at center field over the last like eight years um, on Slack today. Do you want me to read that fun list for you, Merritt? Uh, actually, I'm pulling it up right now, so I can do it. That's uh, <laughs> all right with you. It's really fun. Uh, let's let's start with last year. We have old uh, Double D, Delano De Shields Jr., and then Oscar Mercado, Greg Allen, Bradley Zimmer, Tyler Naquin, <sighs> and Michael Bourne. Um, so there you go. Obviously, that tells a tale of not being able to find a good center fielder. Naquin was a funny one. <laughs> for, for, I don't know, playing center. That was strange. Uh, but, you know, I think part of, you know, you mentioned obviously before about how we liked Oscar Mercado. And I think we did, but it's more because we didn't know, we didn't know anything. And so the mystery, I think, captures the anything. That's why Delano de Shields was not as exciting because we um, had a pretty firm basis of knowledge. Same vibe with like, Greg Allen and even Bradley Zimmer, which continues to this day because it just feels like he uh, continues to either not get a, get a shot like as much as maybe Mercado has or he starts to get a shot and he gets hurt, uh, which I think is what, why it's so frustrating to see what happened with Johnson, obviously. is I mean, I was just looking at his, his regular season you know, ma- major league numbers, and he has all of five, 12 at-bats over five games, which is – just barely more than two a game. So it's obviously he's not even starting. Um, I don't even remember. He has a hit. So there you go. Um, but I think him in particular is a frustrating one just because, like, I, I know, and we were talking about this before we started recording, but I know, you know, he's only seven for 19, but he was hitting the ball well. Um, he was lucky a little bit, I guess. I mean, obviously the batting average is a little bit buoyed, but he, he's the kind of guy who can make his own luck too because he's so fast and athletic and um, has a lot of agility. I listened to a podcast where he used the word agility. I hadn't heard that word in a while. But he has a lot of agility. I believe it applies to him. Yeah, he's, a, I, he's got that rocket arm in the outfield. So it's agility? Like a, would that be? I don't know. I don't I know. Just athletic will fit in there. All right. Yeah, whatever. Squeezy in there. Uh, <laughs> angelic. There you go. Angelic. Yeah, he's quite <laughs> angelic out there. He kind of wafts around. That one, this is, I'm just, just because they're either, as I, as I wrote last week, they're either shoehorning guys in there who are just not going to fit or else um, they're just trying with, Maybe the wrong guy, or they expect, they they don't see something in Johnson that maybe we do, or see something that we don't in in this example specifically. Uh, they they refuse to spend any money on this position, obviously, because as we went through that list before, that was just start, starting center fielders. It didn't go into into the other guys who played out there, uh, like Rajay Davis for a little while, or I'm trying to think of other ones who who played center field over the last several years. And I think there's like seven thousand of them. It's Jason Kipnis, one point. Yeah, Jason Kipnis wrote a while. Like that was weird. Um, but they just like it, it's it's so funny how just year in and year out, Cleveland just seems to punt on the outfield just every single year, no matter what, both offensively and defensively. Quite honestly, 
Uh, you remember, obviously, in the World Series, Carlos Santana played it in the outfield. Obviously, you're Which, trying to at get least his... that one makes some sense because you're getting as bad in there. But... Oh no, and, I, and, I, and I, of course, yes. But even like, in that, it's like it's they just don't give a shit about outfield defense. And you know what? Maybe the numbers tell them that, and they, they only care about bats in the outfield because uh, they just expect the pitching to carry. And if it's a fly ball, it'll probably be a home run anyway, or whatever. You know, like maybe the, maybe in their eyes, because line drives fall for hits so often, you don't need someone who can catch all the line drives. It's impossible because fly balls over a certain velocity and within a certain launch angle are home runs. You don't need people to catch those. And then the other ones are easy to catch because they're either too high or not hit hard enough. So they're, you know, easier to catch, but yeah. And I've said it before too. I think I said, quote, fuck defense in the outfield. <laughs> like I get it. I think it's a good, I, if they had the bats, which is the thing, like Eddie Rosario is a terrible outfielder, but I think he's fine to play left because yeah, he can hit. It doesn't matter if he can't, he's not a good outfielder, but who, whoever you have in center is also not good at hitting. It's just bad outfielders. I mean, it, it, it must just be like Daniel Johnson. They saw him more up more close than they ever would have last year with him being in the, the alternate camp at East Lake. So, I mean, they've seen like everything he is, everything he came at this point, he's not going to develop anything new. Like if they seem that he's going to be a great center fielder, I don't think they sent him down and don't start him right away. I think it, it just must be something else. Like a Greg Allen member, we were all hyped up about him just because of his speed and oh sure, um, again he, the mystery, right? Yeah, yeah, and that's I, I feel like we get that with every outfielder, and he's just ter- one of these mysteries has to pay off eventually. But so far they haven't, and I, I can't remember who said it on Twitter, but somebody said like it's going to be really frustrating when we're the midway point in the season and we we again know who Ben Gamble is, but we still don't know who Daniel Johnson or Oscar <laughs> Mercado are. Like, that's where we're going to be. It's yeah. the same thing as Delano De Shield last year. Like it's. I, I don't know. I guess they, they might feel they're wasting their time if they already know what Daniel Johnson is. It's not like they have to prove it to us, but I don't feel like they do as much as they might think they know what he is. He's just, I'd like to see he's, he's toolsy enough to at least get a shot and probably help the team. And I want to see him do it. Um, I'd rather see him fail than see Ben Gamble be average out there. I think. I'm just kind of thinking like, um, you know, we're talking about obviously just punting on the outfield defense. Like the Dodgers are a smart team. In fact, they just won a World Series being very smart. And I wanted to see how good their defense is. Obviously, they do have Mookie Betts, who's very, very good defensively uh, in right. But they moved Cody Bellinger into center uh, after after being, you know, grading out as a pretty solid um, right fielder. Uh, and, you know, obviously just last year, but he was a negative influence there defensively. And then uh, the other corner, they have, they have A.J. Pollock is listed as their starting left fielder. And then they have other guys who just kind of want to cram in there in some way. They're Chris, you know, Chris Taylor or some of the other guys. So even, you know, they don't have a wonderful outfield defense. Maybe we just care too much about de- outfield defense. But at the same time, to your point, we also want these guys to hit. And, like, Daniel Johnson just seems like someone who can hit. Um, I, I, every time I see him play this, summer, this spring, rather, he's hit some. And it's not like I've seen him play at all in the majors uh, because he's only played in five games. But – he looks good up there. He looks composed and confident and ready to hit stuff. He doesn't chase stuff too much. And I don't know. It's it's just like you said. It's one of those things where we have, we have this list of mysteries, and it's like one of them, please. Like I don't know. I feel like they've just been churning outfielders through the system since like since Grady Sizemore got hurt in like in like 2006 and trying to find another one, and it just never works out. These guys who I get excited about because they trade some mid level relief pitcher for you know, the, the fifth best outfield prospect in the Cardinals organization or something. Like, Ooh, this one's going to work out. Yeah, baby. And it doesn't, but you know. Yeah. And Franklin Gutierrez came after Sizemore, right? 
wasn't he? I kind of look at them as contemporaries, you know. I, yeah, he so, didn't hit though until he got to Seattle for a year, but yeah. he was still a really good center fielder. I think Death to Flying Things was always a fun nickname for him. But yeah, um, but, but yeah, there, like, there's like nobody else that stuck for more than because even he was only a couple years before he was gone and and wasn't he wasn't like an all star anyway. But I, I I saw like this today um, when we record they were talking that it sounds like Bradley Zimmer won the job or is going to win the job. At least that's what Andre not thinks based on. I'm, I'm sure he's more connected than than most people are that we we can get access to. So it's maybe he's a center fielder. I'd be more excited about that than Ben Gamble again, just because of the mystery of Bradley Zimmer. I think he's made enough changes over the last couple of years that it'll be interesting to see if they actually work. Like he's he's more open now. He's not as he's got a more composed batting stance, I think, than what he had before. So I really want to see that come up and see if it works and if he's controlled his swing and it's not as big and loopy as it used to be and. Um, and it's just damn speed. I want to see him in the outfield defense again more than anything. Like, I'm sad that Oscar Mercado's not there. I'm sad Daniel Johnson's not going to be there, but um, I'm excited to see Bradley Zimmer out there. And I also think, like, there's a chance that um, I I think Bobby Bradley is can hit well. I, I just still don't – I don't believe in Jake Bowers anymore, <laughs> quite frankly. I think there's a decent chance that that both of those guys are not good, and at some point um, Josh Naylor's moved the first, and then maybe that's where Johnson – I mean, Johnson, Mercado, or Zimmer can play right field. I think they've all played there at some point. Um, so I think that's another place they could come up eventually. Maybe they're just seeing, maybe this is all kind of just tied to seeing what they have while they have it. Um, as far as like Gamble and Jake Bowers, who's out of options. So um, it all just kind of ties together. They're just, they just got to see what they have this year, which is kind of disappointing. They're not doing it right away in center, but um, they, I think they can eventually they'll have plenty of open spots. I mean, I, I'm, I'm okay with them seeing what they have in Red Rosario as well in center. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Obviously giving, um, Zimmer's spin is a lot of fun. I just I, I wanted to look again, like who was considered the outfielders for what is probably the best you know Cleveland season over the last decade, which would be 2017. You know, the 102 games, and it's Brantley, Zimmer, and Bruce are listed as the starters, and they also have Austin Jackson, Lonnie Chisholm, Abram Almonte, Brandon Geyer. They just don't give a shit about the ends, I guess uh, Tyler Naquin for a little bit. They just uh, of those guys, people who grade out as positive defenders are maybe Zimmer. I don't think Austin Jackson ever did. Chisholm Hall did for a year. Uh, Almonte looked good out there, and I wrote a lot about him and being excited about him, which was never true, but still. So, yeah, <laughs> Austin no. Jackson, he, he's probably the best, sad as it is, he's probably the best single-season center fielder since Grady Sizemore, I would think. I mean, 129 WRC plus for Jackson in 2017, almost two war. That's that's basically the best. It's, yeah, only 85 games. Like he was very yeah. effective. I mean, him or Chisenhall, I would think, like in terms of single again, right fielder, but you know, in terms of generally outfielders, some of the best ones. I mean, Brantley's number one, but when I, when I read that article last week, you know, outside of Brantley, I don't think they've had a single guy produce more than a combined like four wins or something like that um, <laughs> since 2012. Uh, in the outfield, and like obviously they've been churning through faces and names and everything, but it'd be nice if they could, you know, not have Shinsu Chu, who left the team after 2012, being the number two um, outfielder since 2013 or whatever the hell, whatever the bound was that I put on it. Yeah, but uh, if it's going to be Zimmer, that's fine. I just like you said, I, I, I'd prefer not to be Gamble. Uh, this team has so much variance to it as it is. It might as they might as well try a few funky things and hope it works out. Yeah, and, and Gamble, if they do, if they're stuck with him, I feel like that that's league's better than having billy hamilton at least gamble we know i i mentioned this when they first even just signed him the fact that he is at least somebody who can have a major league at bat once in a while he's he's had a season where he got on base a lot um i think where was he? either 358 on base percentage of 2018 um 337 in 2019 so he's been at least where he can be he can get on base he doesn't really need to be platoon but i definitely want Bradley zimmer out there instead of him but we'll there see was, what they do with it 
there was I had con- quietly convinced myself that I was okay with Billy Hamilton for some reason oh, the no. other day. I can't remember why now. <laughs> I, I cannot imagine being I okay can't with either. that. There was, but there was something where I talked myself into it for like I was like, you know, maybe they should have stuck with him because of. And there's this big blank in my brain. So, all right, maybe, maybe it was nothing. But that's remember. when you woke up from the nightmare you were having. Where I mean, I don't know if it was one of those things where it was, just, it was something I remembered while I was falling asleep or something like that. or <laughs> One of those things you have to write down in your sleep journal that you, is just illegible in the morning. What the hell? Was Billy Hamilton is really this is smooching. <laughs> Billy Hamilton, good train, bus, car. Hmm. They should put him in a bus and have him drive onto a train. And just drive out of town. Okay, I see. Uh, now, it's something that did. Um, so this is just the time of the roster basically trimming down. Um, but we did kind of find out some more clarity about what the bullpen will be. Trevor Steffen was informed that he's going to make the opening day roster. I think at this point, it's pretty much only four guys are locked down back there. Phil Mayton, Nick Whitgren, Emmanuel Classe, uh, James Karinczak. You can put them in any order. But there's other guys who are going to be working out to get there. Brian Shaw seems like at this point he's inevitable. Um, he's going to probably be there, but at least we have five that are confirmed now. Trevor Steffen is kind of interesting because he was a Rule Five draft pick. Uh, he throws 98 miles per hour. He was brought over from the Yankees. They're they're probably going to keep him. One kind of thing about the Indians, they've lost quite a few Rule Five guys recently. Just this year, they lost Luis Oviedo, who looks good on the Pirates. I think he just started his spring game. He's about to. And of course, Anthony Santander is one they lost a couple years ago to those conniving Baltimore Orioles, who were just able to tank and keep like a high A guy on their roster who was injured. Um, it's just kind of a factor of the Indians are never that bad. They can do that. So they can't usually keep these guys, but, um, so if he sticks, he'll be the only one, he'll be one of five since 1965. Um, only five guys in the rule five draft is stuck. Mary, do you know who the last one is? It's a very popular name that I'm sure, you know, is it, is it Sam McDowell? <laughs> do it. Hector Ambrose. I, I believe it's where you pronounce it. I have no idea who that is, but he was 2009. Before that, 1990, Mike Huff, and then Eddie Williams, 1985, Tom hey, Waddell. Mike Huff is one of two guys named Michael Huff. Or no, oh, yeah. With the last there name Huff, who were on the worst team of an Indians decade. It all there comes full circle. Hold on. That's crazy. Oh, there you go. Oh, I didn't have the meatball sound back in, but I was going to play. And it. Michael Huff was, um, he caught the interception the day after uh, Al Davis died. <laughs> Uh, yeah, to help the, uh, the, uh, the Oakland Raiders win the game, even though they only had 10 men on the field because they were poorly coached. <laughs> and uh, and Andres Mora is the last one. So this is not something the Indians usually do. Um, he's one of only five they've picked in the last so many years. Remember Hobie Milner in 2016, he didn't quite make the roster, but he was picked. So Stefan's interesting. He's been good in spring. I mean, he's a guy who throws 98. You're going to be good when you throw that hard. So um, I, I, I guess I just – any thoughts on – I mean, Stefan making it or the bullpen – how it looks now with him back there, knowing you have a little bit more clarity of um, at least five guys. I'd assume they're going to go with eight or nine guys in the bullpen eventually, but now we have another one. Hi, it's a neat, you know, obviously um, the last year or so I've just been kind of not stressing, but you know, like why can't they have guys who throw a million miles an hour? And now they're getting some more of those guys. Yeah. They may uh, have at mean, least three. Yeah. Right? No, I seven, mean, yeah. you mentioned, obviously they got for the Yankees. Yankees also lost Garrett Whitlock to the uh, Red Sox. Uh, the number four pick of the same draft, and that according to Fangraphs, at least he uh, Stefan profiles um, uh, with nastier stuff than Whitlock, but with less control and repertoire depth. But you know, when, when you're getting a guy who's going to end up being a bullpen guy, you don't care about repertoire depth; you care about a wicked slider and a very hard fastball. And one would hope putting him in the, you know, into the. Uh, Cleveland baseball pitcher transmogrify, tr- trans- transmogrification machine, excuse me, 
uh, will turn him into much better than just being a wild 98 thrower, maybe a, you know, composed 98 thrower. So, I mean, honestly, I think it's a, it's a fun little pick. It's the kind of guy who will, like you said, who, who can move quickly through any system at all because he's just pure guts and um, power. Uh, fun pick, pickup. Stretches the, uh, the bullpen out. I mean, we're getting to the point in baseball where you need – we saw it in the, in, the, in the playoffs especially. You need f- basically five guys who are in some level of shutdown. I, I think Cleveland right now is set up with – Two and a half to three, um, and one of those is a half of two different guys. So, uh, I mean, I just, yeah, I'm not all in on Whitford. I like him. Um, and same thing with uh, Mayton. I want to see a full year of him. I know he kind of fell off the cliff very abruptly and got kind of sample size to death when you look at his numbers. Uh, but I think having someone like Stepin and then um, and then add another guy in there, and I think you have the beginning of a very, very good ball. And at that point, you're running the issue of even having enough work for all of them, especially with the rotation we hope sticking together the way it has, you know, have being able to go only seven deep and having guys um, start, you know, 25, 30 games each and go six innings, which we are kind of used to. And I think we'll continue this year again, so at least with the top four, um, whoever that fourth might be. But no, cool pickup, a lot of fun. I wish they could, they could pull a, a Santander out of their ass at some point and do the same <laughs> thing. But um we will always continue to run in, apparently, to the log jam of crap that uh, apparently is filling up the, the Indians' positional player roster. They either have great players or too many mediocre ones to find space for another one who might be good. But <laughs> it's a it's a weird thing. But it, they'll have. I mean, they also have like Blake Parker. I don't know if he's going to actually make it or not, but um, he's an option. Oliver Perez, who's a hundred thousand years old, he's going to be there as a lefty. But they don't need that lefty guy, so. Um, and then of course, I mean, also like Tristan McKenzie, I've, I've been following the train of him starting, but I mean, like his velocity is down and it seems to be going lower, like throughout a game every single time. So I'm starting to lean toward, maybe they'll start him in the bullpen, if not starting him, um, at the depth camp down there. So it, it's going to be, I mean, then you'll have like Logan Allen and Cal Quantrill starting somewhere, whether they're a rotation or reliever guy. So, um, I mean, again, it's, it's just a, a, a reliever core that could be a lot better than I think we will be. And Trevor Stefan is going to be a big part of that. And I like think Anthony Ghost, if he starts, he can throw 100 as a former outfielder, but he's out of options. So, I mean, like, if they don't really believe in him, we just won't see him at all here. But it's, it'll be interesting, at least for him. And then same handages at some point, too. So it's not going to be a boring bullpen, that's for sure. Cannons, cannons everywhere. This is awesome. And then Brian Shaw, just a little trebuchet. Fucking out there A, right? I forgot about that. Yeah, it's really the wily old man. Yes. <laughs> I'm very excited. For, honestly, I'm very excited for this bullpen. It's really lame to be excited for bullpens, but I think this this addition, honestly, it's just, you know what it is? Is Now, obviously, we just mentioned Brian Shaw, but there's no, like, garbage man in, in a sense. I, it doesn't feel like. And Brian Shaw is essentially that garbage man, but if he's done any work at all to, like, find himself again, as it were, right, and, like, kind of rebuild himself as a pitcher or it can, you know, capture a little bit of the old magic, uh, there's just there's no there's no waste, I suppose, in the back end there. Like it's just good arms, or at least hard throwing arms from back to front, and I think that's just it's been. I think that's one of the one thing that Cleveland's been missing over the last uh, several years. Where once you get past that really beastly part of the bullpen, it really turns into you know the Dan Otero show or whatever, or uh, a magical season from Jeff Manship. When in Kate, instead, I prefer this idea of them just having monsters, monsters back to front. And to be fair to Shalik, he was in Colorado and then Seattle, which are not exactly the two most progressive pitching places ever so if it's just like an issue of he can't get a slider to bite the way it used to i feel like if anybody cleveland can can make that work for him and help him with it so i've 
I've given up on the idea that they're not going to keep him around. I feel like he's just, they probably just told him when he came to camp, like, Hey, you're going to be on the team. We know you have a terrible spring every time. Um, so I think we'll see him at some point. Oh, Adam Pluko, another one, which is not the most exciting, but that damn, that curveball is nice looking. So <laughs> even in spring, that thing is crazy. So I, I'm sure we'll see him at some point in the bullpen, hopefully not as a starter, but as another one of the million relievers they're going to have. And he's out of options too. So we'll see him, but um, so we're going to move around the AL central a little bit. We're going to start, uh, I, I figured instead of doing like in the obvious order of twins and white Sox, the two best, we'll save one, another good team for next week. And we'll just do two. We'll do one good team, one good, bad team a week. So, uh, this week we're going to start with the twins, obviously, uh, two straight division titles. They haven't won a playoff game since 2004. Famously, they've lost, <laughs> I think like 13 in a row to the Yankees. I forgot about uh, that. <laughs> they were swept by the Astros last year. So they changed it up a little bit. Um, at one point they were swept by the athletics, but other than that, it's all the Yankees who just demolished that team. Just miserable. Like we think it's bad in a couple of years, but they've had that forever. And, uh, obviously they can hit a ton of home runs. Nobody's hit more than them in the last two years, except for the Yankees. I love traditions. You know, I just, I love these traditions we have in baseball. <laughs> just eating shit against the, <laughs> I'm sorry to make a big deal out of it, but I just, you forget about it. And then someone reminds you and it's like, that's absurd. It's an, it's an impossible thing. Like the, I mean, it's one, it's not even series. It's games. Like yeah. it's not, they've lost as many series. They haven't won a single game since 2004. The, is, the Mariners not making the playoffs since 2001 right. is possible. Cause you can just be shitty, but like to make the playoffs and then not win a game and set records, like not even be like a crappy team. Like they had MVPs and like the home run crap and et cetera. It's amazing. It's just truly amazing. Yeah. And they'll also have this year again, Nelson Cruz is back. Josh Donaldson, Miguel Sano, Byron Buxton hit the ball really hard last year and he was injured yet again. Um, so they have all these home run hitters. They've added Andrelton Simmons to improve their defense, who of course is one of the best defensive shortstops in baseball, who in the past has had at least an average bat at his best. He can be a pretty decent hitter not a he's not a hard hitter but he can get his fair share of hits i didn't realize last year that they had a, a pretty sneaky good rotation or good pitching staff in general it was one of the up there with the indians in terms of uh staff pitching more kent is obviously legit he's got that split change up which is just ridiculous jose barrios is good young pitcher with potential he's kind of inconsistent michael Pineda, when he came back from his suspension was pretty good for five starts they lost jake odorizzi but he wasn't even there last year so it's not a big deal uh, Bakota projects the Twins to win the division 66% of the time with a 91-71 record. So uh, I think a lot of places seem to think it's a two-division race, a two-team race between the Twins and the White Sox. But, I mean, Bakota has Cleveland second, so who knows. But this is clearly going to be, if not the top dog, one of the two or three top teams in the AL Central. So something we'll have to watch for is the Twins, and they're watching them beat the hell out of Cleveland. is just miserable. But one of the guys who've done it the most, Eddie Rosario, is obviously on Cleveland now. So... It'll hopefully even in a little bit now that he's not murdering us, but there's just so many home run hitters on that team. And I'm not looking forward to facing them with this offense and being hammered to death. Nelson Cruz is 40, man. I mean, he's going to be 41 in the middle of the season. Like, I don't know. I mean, eventually that's got to stop, right? Maybe. I don't <laughs> Does know. It? I mean, Maybe. it doesn't look like it at this point. I mean, yeah, you know, and that's the thing. It just keeps on happening. And these old guys, even like, look at what happened to the Super Bowl just, just recently, you know? I mean, that old ass uh, Patrick Mahomes just throwing passes over the place. <laughs> Look how old he is. He was just stuck. He couldn't move back there. He was just ridiculous. He move. Like, he just no stop. mobility. Got sacked so many times. I know. Uh, anyway, th- this team is like you said, bombs, baby. I mean, they'll be good. I'm still. I don't know. They're, you mentioned the rotation and like Kenta Maeda and Jose Barrios are good. Uh, projections are not happy on them. It's weird, you know. Like you look at the numbers that some of their projections are handed to them, and it's like. It's not superb by any stretch of the imagination, but uh, the rotation, or the, rather the bullpen last year was pretty good. They added uh, Alex Colome, who is one of the most frustrating pitchers to watch because he throws like 90 miles an hour, but it's like perfect kind of trash. You got a bunch of guys who just throw absolute missiles. 
And then, um, and now we're going to get Alex Carroll off this year too. They're um, one of their top rated prospects. In fact, they're number one rated prospect who apparently can already hit like a, like a monster. It was interesting. Actually, I was reading through all, all their um, outfield prospects and to a man, they profile the same, like great bat can't field worth a damn. And so it was just yet another example of a team just punting on outfield defense. Do we just not care about outfield defense anymore? I guess is what I'm wondering. I mean, I think so. I think that's fair. Like they had Rosario, and the reason they felt like they could let him go is because Kirilov, who also cannot defend very well, but he's got a sick bat. So why not let him out? There? And then another one of their guys, uh, what's his name? Oh, I had around here somewhere. Uh, not Royce Lewis. Was it? I mean, Royce Lewis is their top prospect at shortstop. Yeah, but he's not. But he's, he's he's looking like shit. Um, right. Yeah. <laughs> Was it he's Trevor a, Trevor Lar, Larnack? Was that who it was? I think it's who it is. Trevor Larnack, uh, same idea. He, he hits very well and just does not profile as a very good fielder, but his bat is loud. Larnach? Who knows? Um, I mean, what, what can you say about a team? I mean, this is one of the many, and I don't know, and maybe I've been making a big, bigger deal out of it than it actually is, but like maybe people just want to talk about it, about how they're, they're making the ball make the ball, go, making the ball make the ball not go quite so far. So will this impact this team? I don't know. I was just reading the profile of Max Kepler in here, and he suffers from a um, preternaturally low Babbitt because he has a comparatively very high launch angle without a very high exit velocity. So he'll bombs, but he won't hit like, average very well. Like, how will that impact him? Because he's been one of the most effective players on the team overall. Like, great defensively, great offensively. Uh, he's probably going to have, what, five less home runs this year now that Bowers out of the division. So it's going to hurt his raw numbers, I suppose. <laughs> I but, forgot about that. He was always yeah, – right? he just he, murdered he Trevor ate Bauer. his lunch. Uh, and then, like, I don't know. I Obviously, this team is very – they've done a lot of amazing things the last couple years. I'm just you, – you wonder about things like Josh Donaldson getting another year older. Is his calf going to continue to deteriorate? Like, Nelson Cruz has to get old eventually. They have Miguel Sano projected 42 home runs with, the, <laughs> with like an 830 OPS or something like that. Just, just, only bombs and, and Nelson Cruz. They don't even like even projection systems do not have him slowing down at forty. He has their highest projected or slugging percentage of five twenty four, which is just bonkers. Like thirty five home runs for Cruz. I, not, I don't doubt any of that just because he can hit. Oh, forever. that's the thing. Like he's like you look at his number of last couple of years and like they're incredible. Like high average, high like high OBP, high slugging, high everything. Just mashing the ball. And then like, we haven't mentioned guys like like Luis Arias who is an absolute devil. Uh, at the plate that doesn't hit for power like everyone else, but he just hits the ball all over the goddamn place. And, I, and he, he's probably not even a starter on this team, which is ob- obnoxious. Like if, if Jorge Polanco is a second baseman and obviously Simmons is a shortstop and they have uh, Kirilov can stick and Max Kepler can stick in the outfield. Like Luis Arias is just their bench super utility guy. And he'd be what the best second best offensive player on Cleveland. If he stuck yeah, around. Exactly. Yeah. He'd, he'd be an absolute, I guess, if you, I, Oh my God. Imagine him batting second. Oh, be beautiful. oh man, that'd be, that'd be, that'd be he's that'd one be of my good. favorite. Just I don't know about favorite players, but like favorite approaches, I guess. Just and yeah, I just like guys like that. It's just different now when everybody hits all these home runs. They also have like Williams Estadio, who I don't think is on their twenty six man roster, but he's the guy who who just makes a ton of contact, never strikes out. So um, they they just they're just full of so many good bats. Like Mitch Garver is probably going to be their backup catcher because uh, he was so bad last year. Ryan Jeffers is another decent hitting catcher they have who just happens to be another one, and he's probably going to be their starter or platoon with Garver or something. But I, I just have no reason to doubt the Twins. I, I think they're going to – it's going to be them and the White Sox and hopefully Cleveland, um, or it might just be them and Cleveland, or it might just be them and the White Sox. But any any scenario you dream up where there's a battle at the top of the division and things think the Twins are up there, which which is fun. It's I, I like having more good teams in the division. I wish Cleveland was – on more all cylinders like the other teams are, but here we are. And 
that's what it is. It's better than just blowing everybody out and then losing the playoffs. So I'm glad the Twins are there. I'm glad they're decent. Now, a team that is, uh, we can call them uh, opposite, not not similar to the Twins, um, is the Detroit Tigers. They have been in essentially a rebuild now for five, six years. I mean, they, they were decent in 2016. They were 86-75. The year before that, they were, again, terrible. They were last in the division. But this is a team that has been not good, not they they started their rebuild it's not even like the phillies where they they sort of had a rebuild going and then it just hasn't worked yeah they just haven't come close to finishing their rebuild in like six years um and i know people like to point to like miguel cabrera's contract but also what has he stopped them from doing the last five years like they haven't drafted anybody they, they still had a massive payroll he's taken up what like 20 30 million of they could easily have a payroll over like 160 million so i don't see what he stopped them from doing it's just not a, a good team they're kind of I think they've bounced at this point. <laughs> like they've hit the bottom. They're starting to come up. They're not nearly as far as the White Sox, of course. Um, not even as far as the Royals. I don't think the Royals are just refusing to hit rock bottom, which is interesting. But the Tigers have been down there and now they're slowly maybe like angling up. Uh, Willie Castro, who used to be on Cleveland, but was traded for Leonis Martin, was really good for them last year at shortstop. Babbitt. Babbitt too. But I mean, he's not going to be, he's not going to have 158 <laughs> WRC plus again, but uh, he could at least be a decent hitter. It sucks that they traded him for uh, Leonis Martin but yeah it's not a team that's been good for a while they have three pitchers who um, if they're going to come out of this rebuild it's going to be because those three end up being really good Casey Mize Tarek Skubal and Matt Manning um, Skubal <laughs> fan graphs I like how they described his delivery as a pterodactyl trying to throw a baseball it's, he throws the ball extremely weird which makes it hard for opposing batters to hit up to it um, he's a lot of velocity up in the zone started slow last week last year but he ended up striking out almost 11 per nine uh, Casey Mize he's just a big injury guy if he can stay healthy he has the potential to be a really good pitcher for them he was terrible last year but I mean we're spoiled by Cleveland pitchers coming up and being great um, and Matt Manning he didn't look good in camp last year so he didn't end up even playing for them at all there's a decent chance he debuts this year but um, the, the rotation for the Tigers probably isn't going to be terrible. Um, Matthew Boyd is not a, a, a terrible pitcher all the time. Um, they have Julio Tehran is kind of interesting. I, I used to like him on the, the Braves. Uh, Jose Reina is probably not also terrible. So they could have a surprisingly good rotation. I think they're still, they're not going to be a good team. I mean, there's no way to lie about that. They're going to be the bottom of the division because again, the Royals are probably not in any kind of a better long-term position than the Tigers are, especially giving. I don't know, man, that team will not quit. I mean, I don't want to get into the Royals right now. We'll do that next week. That team's not going anywhere. Going anywhere. Yeah. Oh no, I have a lot of things to say about the Royals. I think what they're doing is not smart, but good for baseball. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> not, we'll get into it next week, but that's that's basically what it is. But yeah, the Tigers—they're just they're rock bottom. They're basically just signing players to fill a roster. I mean, no more Mazzara. What does he do for them? Probably nothing. Jonathan's uh, scope is probably bad <laughs> as an offensive player. So they're gonna have a terrible offense. I mean. Uh, Shane Bieber plays against him on opening day, which is just delicious for Shane Bieber. I, he can break his opening day record of last year, which is 14 strikeouts against the Royals. I mean, Nick, Nico Goodrum, I think at one point he was decent. I remember him being okay. Um, they're probably the best offensive players going to be Jeremy Calario, Candelario or even like Robbie Grossman, who at one point was on Cleveland at camp. I still can't believe they let him go for nothing. He's just an on-base machine at times, and he could be a decent hitter for them. So it's not going to be a good team. Miguel Cabrera is finally done killing Cleveland and, and killing baseballs in general, I think. So he's kind of just coasting to the end here. But he's still like their only watchable thing on offense besides Willie Castro. But um, I, I guess any profound thoughts about one of the worst teams, if not the worst team in baseball? Yeah, I didn't I, it, until you really put it all on one like piece of paper here. I knew they were bad. They were very bad last year. They won 23 games. Like, that was hard to do. It was hard to lose more than, you know, win fewer than that last year. The fact that it, within their projected start, starting lineup, they have one guy under the age of 27, and the Willie Castro, who's going to be fine at best. Well, no more Mazzaro, too. But he's... Oh, no more Mazzaro is 26. That's true. Yeah, okay. 
Um, but again, not, and I like I, I was I was once a fan of Nomar Mazzara. Um, yeah, no, you made me a fan of Nomar Mazzara, and still I am. I mean, who knows? I like his I like his swing. Um, but then you look at even their bench; like they have 28, 29, 20, They don't like. There's no like all the upsides in the, in the, in the farm system, right? I mean, this team's going to be really really bad. You didn't you didn't mention uh, what was the Bo Burrows uh, for a as a young pitcher? So they might actually have a pretty good rotation. Is a thing like I think. If things trend in the right direction, Matthew Boyd might be their like fourth best pitcher uh, by the end of the year. Which I think, if he's your fourth best pitcher, then all of a sudden you're in a very good place because he strikes a lot, a lot of people, gives up a lot of hard hits, but he could really kind of give you a good win every every fifth day in that way. And, and if you're not leaning on him quite as much, and if uh, the young guys uh, like Burroughs, Manning, and Mize and uh, Scoobal, yeah, Scoobal all turn into something, or even if two of those good do, or three to three of those guys do, and you're talking about a pretty uh, dangerous team at least pitching wise at least then they won't be what 30th in era like they were last year 29th in whip or 20s oh, jesus christ they were bad it would be nice to see the indians continue dominance maintained through another season but i don't know it's going to be a, an absolute uggo team as they say and just a grind for the for their fans to get through their fans will continue to support them because they know that once they're good again they're Ownership will spend money on them. They think anyway. Now that uh, old man Ellis is dead, they have to rely on the trust to do it for them. But yeah, they at least have something to watch this year. I feel like if you're a Tigers fan, it was just kind of you had to look deep in the farm to find anything watchable. But I mean, like they'll have Scooble, Manning, and Mize. So maybe something like Spencer Turnbull is on the COVID protocol, but he could be another starter they have. So like like you said, they have a pretty decent rotation overall. But they have something at least, which is more than they've had in previous years. I think Robbie Gosman could be. All right for him. And- I mean, I don't. I don't think Spencer Torkelson is going to be on the team for a couple of years. So, so I mean, even their top guys are a ways away. So it's just these three pitchers they have, which could be trouble for him. Like, what if, what if nobody else comes up and it's just these three pitchers in like Willie Castro? <laughs> I mean, has declined those, and is their best player. It's one of those situations like the Pirates kept kept on finding themselves in uh, back, um, like in the pre like McCutcheon days, I guess, and then now again where they kind of everything's out of sequence, right? Like where they. Uh, the pitchers are there, but they can't hit, and the, the pitchers all age out, and they and that kind of happened to the, the Pirates again anyway. And I think we talked about this a little bit with the Indians too, but like especially when you're not a big market where you, although the Twins just did it because they're even though they're not a quote unquote big market, they're the only watchable thing in Minnesota. So um, if everything's out of sequence for them, they're just going to be screwed for you know a decade because they'll have these bats, but they'll have no pitching. And I don't know. again, they have shown the willingness to spend down the line once the the core pieces are there. I don't know if four good young pitchers is quite a core yet. You need at least, I'd, I'd say, another bat or two to come up. And I thought about Torkelson and some other minor leaguers. I don't really know how far away those guys are, two, three years, something like that. Like the, the whole 2020 really threw a wrench through the plans of a lot of these rebuilding teams and just kind of wonder when they're going to be able to figure it out. This team's going to stink this year, though. Uh, all right, Mayor. So every Monday, we ask everybody on Twitter, for a poll this week and then in the spirit of starting our division previews we wanted to ask everybody about al central preview or al central players um, who will hit the most home runs among our selected list we had josh donaldson salvador perez fred mo reyes luis robert i kind of figured this would happen <laughs> considering our audience that we have fred mo reyes um 58.3 percent hell yeah Tim. everyone <laughs> <laughs> that's all i wanted i just want to see fred mo reyes win a poll is that so much is that so bad um, but yeah, him, Robert is second at 28.1, and then Josh Donaldson was third at 9%. Salvador Perez, which I think probably has more power than people think. I definitely, when you first suggested it, I was like, I don't know about that. But also, he hit really well last year, and he has more power than I think people give him credit for, even though he's an old catcher 
I mean, he's 30, which is basically in a catcher years, he's 70. So uh, maybe he'll, his decline will come faster than we all think, but he could be up there. Um, yeah, I think people got it right in this order. I think Reyes will probably hit the most. If he doesn't, I think there's trouble. But Luis Robert second, just because he's such a good hitter. Donaldson, I mean, Donaldson is all if whether he's healthy or not, really. If, if he can be healthy, he could probably hit a bunch of home runs. If not, he's not going to be probably past Salvador Perez. But it's a decent order that the people chose. Um, we forgot about uh, Jorge Soler also. Uh, yeah, somebody mentioned that. <laughs> okay, that that's a really good one. He's probably going to lead. Um, I was like, oh, damn, yeah, because you, 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 what, like, you got like 38 or something last year, or two years ago, something like that. But, yeah. Well, because I actually mentioned, um, so I wrote the um, breakout players for Cleveland today, and I also included like what could be tough for him. Like I mentioned that th- he could basically be what Fran Reyes could end up being, which is a guy who hits a ton of home runs, but he doesn't do a whole lot else, um, which is just ridiculous. <laughs> like, um, But he's also not, he just hits home runs or he strikes out and he doesn't, he walks double digits, but not like an absurd walk rate. So I certainly wouldn't mind Fiona Reyes being 136 WRC plus hitter, but yeah, I think probably among everybody, Jorge Soler is probably the one, but also Nelson Cruz would probably be any of these guys, but it was more about of, of these, of, of these, these four, just everyone. to pick like, cause this is kind of the point of these polls, just like have an interesting way of thinking, not necessarily the top one, but between who you have, um, we're just trying to find similar grouped ones, which I, I think these are all pretty close. One or two, like, is Luis Robert, uh, Luis Robert, Luis, it's I'm going to call him Luis Robert for his entire <laughs> career. Just so, just, just so we're clear here. Cause it sounds cool. Um, I mean, he is definitely, um, great obviously but he just he really fell off hard like literally in the second half of the season last year he just suddenly collapsed let me just like he hit he hit 136 in, in september and october and that was like you know a third of his at bats which advanced stats looking at it is just in the second half you had a 73 uh wrc plus right like he just was not they, they, i guess they figured him out or he's pressing too hard or something he's gonna be tremendous i think but it's, it's all about wondering uh, where is he between uh, that first half? Because what twenty-seven games he hit seven home runs, so he was ridiculous to start the year. He was absolutely insane, especially, especially just to like, just from, from the from the jump. He was mashing the ball in, in August. Yeah, he had he had a one seventy WRC plus. The OPS was one thousand. Like he was crushing it, and like everyone was like, "Oh shit, it's not good." <laughs> could, could you no, imagine if they still had Fernando Tatis Jr. Like I'm sure White Sox fans lose sleep over this every single night. Oh, lines, dude. but that is a ridiculous lineup. Dude, him, Eloy Jimenez, this dude, like Yon Moncada, Jose Abreu. The last couple of years of his being good, it's it would be obnoxious. But. Adam Eaton, <laughs> like what a what a lineup. <laughs> Got to list Adam Eaton first as the best hitter, clearly among this group, managed by 75 year old. Actually, might be older than that. I was trying to think of an old age, 80, but <laughs> 87, 87 thousand years old. This man was 87 thousand years young. Uh, well, I got Tim Anderson too. too is another one. Uh, Danny Mendick, Nick Madrigal. I actually do like Nick Madrigal a lot. Quite honestly, yeah, they have Vaughn. Is I mean, we'll talk about the White Sox next week, but they have anyway. so much offense, and and I think Luis Robert is going to lead them in home runs, and probably. I don't even. Yeah, I don't even think he will. It's the thing. I think Eloy Jimenez will. <laughs> Eloy well, Jimenez is going to hit like forty five <laughs> this year. Uh, he's going to be an absolute moose. Uh, he is. That's a dude who's turning around even more. But that's of these four. I don't know. It's it'll be interesting to see how Salvador Perez a responds to. A full season, uh, if he has made changes to be a good hitter. Uh, Mike Petriello was talking today on Twitter, or maybe it was yesterday, after he, after Perez signed his big extension, just the comparisons between him and Yadier Molina. And, like, they're very, you know, they're positive, you know, comparisons. Uh, both were, you know, sub-average hitters at age 30. Uh, Molina had a couple pretty good years there at the plate. Molina just benefited from the idea of framing being a big new thing, being good at it while also... Uh, you know, 
there were a lot of shitty catchers out there. Uh, so, yeah, you, you wonder, like, like, how Perez will respond in general. Tonelson, like you said, injury-wise, uh, Luis Robert is just an all-around monster. But I honestly don't think Fermio Reyes, will, of these four, will hit the most home runs. I do think it's going to be Robert. I mean, not by a lot, maybe like 38 to 37. I'm really I'm really um, high on Luis Robert, I guess. Plus, he's playing that small little park, so it'll be great. Yeah, it's hard not to be excited about him. Um, all right, Merritt. Uh, that'll do it for us this week. If you haven't already, follow us on Twitter. I am Matt RLY. Merritt is at Merrill Lunch, like Merrill Lynch, but with lunch. Um, find Let's Go Tribe at Let's Go Tribe on Twitter and Facebook. Of course, let's go tribe.com. If you're not already subscribed on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, follow us. Leave us a review. Let us know what you think of the show. Other than that, Merritt, I'll talk to you next week. I'll be here. Most of the time, we talk about tech in terms of a handful of gigantic companies like Google, Meta, and Apple. But some of the most interesting stuff we find online is the product of a single person. When you're working on your own, I think there's this beauty of being able to come up with an idea and then implement it then in that moment. You don't have to have permission from someone else. There's no red tape. In the Vergecast series, Solo Acts, we'll get to know these people, the tech they use to get stuff done and the obstacles they face trying to compete with the giants. Some people that I talk to and my friends are like, you know, your competitors are Zuckerberg and Musk. Like, aren't you kind of like afraid of that? Every Monday, our friend Ashley Escada will be curating and hosting these interviews and sharing with us what she's learned. I can't believe the McRib locator was originally a tornado locator. Right. <laughs> Pretty wild. Listen to our Solo Acts miniseries now in the Vergecast feed, anywhere you find podcasts.